Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. So thanks for joining us today. We have got a great show. We've got a show that's going to speak to the state of the global workforce and how important certain elements are in that workforce. And as our guest, and I'm going to very informally introduce Bala. He's the director of marketing at Woodham. He has created a successful track record of creating and nurturing brands from the ground up through multi-pronged strategies. He's led several marketing functions and has been instrumental in developing and executing go-to-market plans and global marketing strategies for various software companies. Bala, please give us your formal introduction. Hey, thank you so much, Lee, for this introduction. I'm Bala Sanjeevi Bala Subramaniam. I'm the Director of Marketing. And uh, I'm really glad. Thank you so much for inviting uh, I know me to this particular session of podcast because you know the title, the topic, what we're going to discuss today is very close to my heart. And uh, um, you know, Wurram, the organization that I belong to, um, the way I see it, it is an exemplification of uh, you know a success model which is completely based on people centricity and trust as the foundational stone so thank you so much once again well and just for our listeners out there what we're going to talk about is the empathy first approach at work that they take but and that focuses on the mental the financial the emotional the physical the social and the holistic well-being of the people at work and this is so important because The Gallup State of the Global Workforce Report of 2022 just came out, and it reports that in the United States, 33, only 33 percent of the people felt engaged. But what makes this so interesting to talk about with Bala is because in India, you know, and 33 doesn't sound like very many, but in India, only 11 percent of the people that responded to the report felt engaged, felt that they were thriving. In the United States, 50% feel feel like they're stressed out at their jobs every day. 41% are worried, they're sad, they're angry. And it is interesting because the Gallup did a really good job of, of looking at disengagement and looking at that in relationship with those that work four days a week and have remote work. And then looking at the stress levels for people that are in the office five days a week. So they did a really good job. And what they found really ties into Bala's strategy. And that is the organization has to think about the whole person, not just the worker. They've got to see where they fit in and what that's based off of. Trust. Absolutely. So, um, um, Thanks for highlighting those very interesting numbers cutting across multiple different regions. Yes, trust-based workplace is, uh, I would say, the need of the hour. See, uh, the way we see it, right? Um, Happiness is something which acts as a core. If we take uh, Wurram, for example, uh, the dream behind uh, the company is to establish the most happiest and nourishing workplace. So happiness comes into picture when the stepping stone, like I said earlier also, right? The stepping stone is going to be trust. So imagine 
an organization where there is lack of trust, right? Um, then the very first thing is a person who joins the company, they will have fear of judgments in terms of, can I ask this particular question? If we do not ask questions, basically, it actually actually uh, uh, slows down our growth too, right? So we have to ask the right questions, ask the whys, and again and again for us to grow, for us to quickly learn and adapt to the organization's culture. But because of the fear of judgment, because of the lack of culture, the lack of the uh, trust culture in the organization, if I don't ask the right question, then that is going to dampen my growth. Number one. Number two. Uh, it doesn't stop there. Uh, for the same fear. The communication also gets delayed. At times, it even gets cut. When the communication gets cut, especially when the flow of ideas get cut, then the company or the organization at a high level is losing a lot. Because imagine the, that particular organization carries thousand members. Uh, ideal if all these thousand brains work and innovate and create ideas for the growth of the organization versus the other way around where a set of people are thinking and enforcing the ideas to be rolled out far on, on, on behalf of those thousand members. So that is the uh, great difference that we have to look into. So coming back to the trust as element, on the other hand, if we have trust, Right from the day one of a person joining the company, the trust as a factor is established, no judgments, no fears. And all we have is just go ahead, always do the right thing. And you have certain guiding principles. Based on the guiding principles as direction, we are empowered to do the right thing because there is no fear of judgment that is lying right now. I am currently empowered, right? I come forward and take the ownership. Ownership both in terms of whether it is going to be a success or in other words, it's going to be a, and, and otherwise it's going to be a failure. Both ways, we take the ownership, we come forward. So the moment we come forward and take the ownership and we are allowed to do mistakes, ask the why questions and question literally everything, question the status quo because there is trust as a factor and the focus for us is to actually grow together. So when we keep asking these questions, why on all the status quos, so it gives rise to uh, people exploring multiple different ways to solve the problems. That's how we learn. That's how we grow as an organization. That is when um, the organization enables all the people or set up a platform to innovate and grow. Well, you know, and I think you're so right, Bala, because, you know, when you, when you aren't able to ask a question about your role, or if you're not able to ask a question about what, what your goals are, or if you don't have anybody involved with having, helping you set your goals, you feel like you're a, a one-man or one-woman show, and you don't so clearly see where you fit in. And for me, trust starts with meaningful conversations, and meaningful conversations can certainly start with questions. Excellent. Absolutely. So again, continuing right on the people taking the ownership as an aspect. So there, if you look at it, there is a beautiful chain that we can actually make right from the people or the employee. In other words, the employee of an organization and cutting right across to the other end of it, where we have the stakeholders and also the customers on the other end. So with trust as a foundational stone for an organization, the person, 
does not have any fear because there are no fears or inhibitions that people are um, in a position to raise questions ask questions as you pointed out and explore multiple different ways keep on innovating because we keep on innovating there is a process or methodology that we are trying to incorporate where we continuously learn we continuously innovate we continuously improve all that that exists in the form of processes the way we work the way we look at how the organization should function so this in turn enables uh, refined ways of doing things whatever we have been doing so far we are in a position to refine them so there is one of the principles that we have at turam be better than the past minute right again uh, whatever i was highlighting about asking the right questions right that itself is one of the principles that we have ask questions never assume so all these principles are the guiding we have 12 such guiding principles and um, they might sound very simple but they are quite powerful in establishing the ways and means for us to uh, be a learning and growing or innovating organization right okay coming back to this beautiful chain so because we are continuously improving on the ways and means of doing work we are able to refine it the customers are happy about it because end of day the customers are the ones who are going to be reaping the benefits because the customers are reaping the benefits we are going to see a growth in terms of the revenue the company grows the stakeholders are satisfied happy well you're right about that because the gallup poll showed that companies that had engaged workers their profits were 23% higher company well and and the global in the global workplace disengaged employees cost the world 7.8 trillion dollars in lost productivity so that nobody's winning the customers not winning nobody's winning and as long as everybody's winning everybody has the opportunity to benefit so i certainly support your point there and you know i have a question because in the states the role of the manager is kind of that first line for communication is that the same in india okay so instead of looking at this from a country specific angle end of day everything boils down to the corporate culture isn't it so what kind of a culture that we adapt uh, at an organization level matters a lot now you have actually raised a very great question you asked about the first line manager is the first line of communication great question i think this is something let us explore this let us, let us try to dissect this particular thing so communication through a hierarchical model versus a person or a, uh, for employee in an organization having access to anyone and everyone including the topmost management yeah. these are the two different dimensions or two different pillars that we are looking at the first pillar is completely hierarchy based the second pillar where anyone has access to anything anyone else in the organization everyone can access everyone uh, at any point in time from cxos to the junior most employee can actually have a direct connect with each other so that is where we are talking about openness transparency in the way we establish practices we establish communication once again trust as a factor comes into picture so when we say that anyone has access to everyone else in the organization that kind of is a reflection of you know we are not excluded from or we are not secluded number one 
also because you can access anyone you do not get that mindset right we belong to a particular community or we belong to a particular um, job title that is actually giving us only certain privileges while we do not get access to certain other privileges that doesn't exist in a hierarchy free flat organization in fact we belong to a flat organization where anyone can access anyone can connect with anyone without any there are no gates basically right so this is an important aspect thanks for highlighting this so this aspect reflects that the moment we have uh, a borderless communication policy where anyone can access anyone once again i'm repeating that this is also reinforcing the fact that you know you are now part of the system which means that you are as important to us as anyone else is or anyone else are in the organization well, I think, and you brought up culture, and that is that is so important because the culture, it, you know, you can have all the strategy that you want, but culture eats strategy for breakfast. Because the, the culture, you know, that's that comes with employee respect. That's what builds that sense of community. That's what makes people want to contribute, and that's what makes people want it. Want everybody to contribute, not just me. I want I want my home team to contribute contribute. So thank you for bringing up culture. Absolutely. Uh, Another question that just struck my mind is, you know, what exactly a trust-based culture can do? Just following up on, because we took the word culture, right? Trust can actually bring about togetherness. Like we discussed in the earlier example, the moment employees have that, are in a position to feel the trust factor, they're able to enjoy the trust-based environment because they are able to now come forward and take ownership it gives them immense opportunity to try out new things, learn, upskill themselves, and uh, so they are able. They're in a position because they come forward, they volunteer and take up work and take up ownership. Over time, they also develop leadership qualities. They develop their personality over time. They learn and they grow. You know, because it is a quite an open environment here, right? And uh, trust has already been. I'm talking about an environment where trust is already an established. Uh, culture. So because it's quite an open environment, we do not fear anything. There is no fear of competition. So people freely share their perspectives, freely share their learning. So we become by default a learning organization where not just one person, but the entire environment learns and grows together. Well, and, and trust means different things to different people. And I have found that for me, trust is the most basic thing, that if I am going to be the best I can be, and, and you know, as you know, I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I run the Brain Performance Center, and if I'm going to be able to help everybody else be the best they can be, there's got to be that element of trust. They And sometimes people will say, because we at the Brain Performance Center, we do whole brain neurofeedback training and, and neuromodulation. And people say, I don't understand it. I don't understand it, but I trust you. And so I'll try to give more information like, no, 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 it's okay because I trust you. So building, I've that's kind of been one of my pillars for building the Brain Performance Center on is trust. And it does it does my heart well to see that corporations are starting to recognize how important trust is. So how prominent do you think that this that this trust 
based approach is. Okay, when we ask about the prominence, you know, I would say it is, uh, let me come back quickly on that. Okay. Okay, so, you know, we had talked about some questions that I know our listeners would have. And one of them is, why is it essential to nurture a trust-based corporate ecosystem that will benefit all stakeholders and clients? To give us the why. Excellent question. So here's the perspective. Um, I'm going to do a comparison here, right, for understanding purposes. 40 to 50 years back, if we take workforce as an example, predominantly people stick down to the same organization. They might have spent the entire lifetime, right, working on the same organization not because of anything related to trust or loyalty, but simply because of options. Survival was the focus at that point in time, right? The options were very, very limited versus today's workforce, where there are multitude of options, plethora of opportunities for people. So survival isn't the question anymore. It's about what do I get by working in an organization, right? Uh, the respect, the opportunity for the people to learn and grow and upskill, the access to the necessary resources that will actually support us to perform better, to always ensure that we become the best version of ourselves. And the benefits that are going to be really supportive for our holistic well-being as a person. By holistic, I'm referring to uh, the financial ones, the physical ones, and the mental ones, all, all together, to what extent the benefits of the organization are going to support me in all these things, right? And uh, to what extent it is actually helping us or helping me as a person to maximize my potential to do and to give my best. And end of the day, uh, to what extent I'm getting recognized. All these things are the factors that are being taken into consideration. and. If I do not get substantially any of these, then there is a high possibility that you know people of today will actually look forward to an organization that can fulfill all these things, that can give them all these things. So to answer the question why, I think this does. People have the option and people are actively looking forward. Today's uh, workforce is actually looking forward to all these line items. So the ideally there's a company Today, the organizations of today, they, are, they have to actually work towards fulfilling all these things. In other words, the organization should proactively show interest, not just interest, genuine interest to protect people with all these things. Otherwise, they will lose the creamy talents. Well, it's interesting because when I've looked at the, you know, the gener we've got in these states, we've got different generations of workers in our in in our corporate world and they you know they see things very very differently um the millennials certainly see things very differently than some of the baby boomers does that hierarchy based on age exist in india um okay hierarchy based on age i would say no because hierarchy is something um 
that comes into picture. Oh, by the way, there are two things here. When we see the any modern or, uh, organizations, modern organizations that are looking forward to, um, you know, establishing success models based on people centricity, then generally hierarchy does not come into role, does not come into play. But in the past, the organizations which are still sticking onto the past, right? But still growing, but sticking into the past, hierarchy does come into picture, but not necessarily based on the age. It used to be maybe, but it off late, it's not based on age, it's based on the talent uh, and the performance. That's great because performance certainly does not correlate with age. Uh, so that's, I definitely agree with that point of view. So let's kind of, let me move to another question because we've got about seven minutes left and this gives us time to really explore. How does happiness at work contribute to equity, inclusivity and resilience? Great. So the, the words that we have actually highlighted, right? You have highlighted as part of this particular question, right? Inclusivity, resilience and equity. These are great words, great terminologies, and they actually carry vast scope. So, uh, but let me put it in my experience and I'll try to share with you how happiness as a factor is very important. So it is something like this. Instead of saying that happiness is bringing about inclusivity and equity, this the other way around. Equity at work and inclusivity at work, I could, give some examples for example uh, equity the instant example that comes to my mind uh, that i can take as a reference from my company is um, the insurance family insurance comprehensive family insurance coverage that we have at Uram, irrespective of what the title is whether a manager or a junior person or the senior most person who is joining the organization irrespective of their titles they get same family insurance policy and the insurance coverage amount increases only with the number of years they spend along with and they spend along with at Uram or they go or take the journey of Uram. That is an example of equity. Similarly, inclusivity is something Uram is completely a democratic organization to whatever extent possible. Uh, the company ensures that, you know, all the decisions that are taken, be it at uh, operational level or at a business level, uh, right from how exactly the company should work considering the pandemic or what should be the name of a conference room, right? Can you look at the contrast here? On one side, we're looking at what should be the name of a conference room and on the other side, how that comp company as a whole at a global level should work considering that the pandemic has hit now. What are all the tools and uh, the necessary resources that have to be brought into picture for our people to ensure that the company can support our people to be at their best during pandemic when they are especially working from home? Should we actually roll out a policy for supporting our people to get their work from home set up, set established? So things like that. All these things, if are considered, are factors of inclusivity. The reason why I highlighted this particular instance is that you know, all these examples, what I'm highlighting, 
are those where people's input are taken into consideration, valued in the form of a survey, and based on the majority, right, the decision is taken, and that is rolled out as a policy at the company level. And accordingly, the company moves and company works according to the policy. So if you take most of the policy that has been rolled out that are active at the Uram, where once upon a time, just an idea that sparked from one of the Uramites. Uramites is how we call ourselves, employees of Uram. So that is what is I'm seeing as inclusivity in this example. Once again, the scope is vast here, but that's, that's how I was seeing it. So the moment we have an organization that incorporates equity, that incorporates um, the inclusivity, then it is only natural phase that people over time become happy. For one, and this happiness together spreads the positivity in the environment, and that's in turn gives rise to better resilience. Both for the company or organization at a high level and also at an individual level, because it is full of positive positivity, the environment is so very positive. I know that you know, for, a, for a fact that if I do something wrong, I don't have to just cover it up. I can actually say that this is a mistake, but this is what I have learned. I'm going to move on and I'm going to incorporate this learning in my future of work. So because such a positivity exists, such open communication exists, there is no fear, right? Well, I, I really, naturally. I really like the word resilience because we all, you know, as long as things go in our way, we all have the capability to keep right on pushing forward. But something, and, and it's going to happen to all of us. There's a bump in the road. Something happens. It gets us distracted. It gets us off off track and we tend to lose our resilience and so recognizing the importance of resilience as a organization I mean to me that's sending a message to the employees that it's okay everyone needs resilience we're not expecting perfection we're not expecting you know uh, anyone to do the impossible all we're asking for is that we do the I think you mentioned the term have a better moment than the last one earlier. Right. And that's what is reflected in resilience to me. We've got, you know, a minute left. And is there anything uh, that relates to the happiness and the resilience, the inclusivity, the equity that you'd like to, to comment on? I think pretty much um, that's it. Okay. Well, I think too, you know, happiness is interesting because happiness is something that we haven't always been so open about and talking about with the expectation that, you know what, you should be happy at work. I can remember plenty of jobs where, you know, just go do your, do your thing, show up and get it done. And I, the world has changed. It's a different environment. It's an environment that really does require that empathy, being able to appreciate the uniqueness and the talents and the gifts that everybody have. So stay with us. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about being happy. We'll be back after these messages.
all know that alarm clocks were invented for people who don't have kids. But before the alarm clock was invented, how did people wake up in time for work? Previous to the alarm clock gaining popularity, people in Britain and Ireland might have been awakened each morning by a knocker-up. A knocker-up was a person that was paid a few pence a week to wake up slugabeds and clinomaniacs. Those are people who like to sleep in. Knocker-ups used pea shooters to roust folks who were oversleeping and long bamboo sticks to reach windows on higher floors. It was the responsibility of the knocker-up to not leave the window until they were sure their client didn't go back to sleep, even if they had metutilepia, otherwise known as waking up on the wrong side of the bed. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. It's Words You Never Heard. My father and brother were both automobile insurance adjusters. As April is Distracted Driving Awareness Month, I thought I would share with you some funny excuses for accidents they have heard throughout the years. One giddy-pate driver told my dad that she was trying to get rid of the bee that flew in her car when she drove into the telephone pole. Many people blame an accident on the fact that they were emotionally upset or betwaddled or something. One guy explained that he pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at his mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. Another person told the insurance company that they got into an accident because they had one eye on the truck in front of them, one eye on the pedestrian, and the other eye on the car in back of them. Now that's an alibot. That's a word for a glaring falsehood. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. We're back. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Well, we've had such a great conversation in the first half of the show, talking about how important it is that corporations really understand and embrace a trust-based approach. Bella, is there anything that you would like to reinforce that we talked about earlier? Yeah, absolutely, Dean. Sure. Establishing a trust-based environment uh, in a corporate structure actually brings about lots of benefits from the employees all the way up to the clients and the stakeholders. From a people perspective, right, uh, it brings about, first of all, a sense of belonging, no fear, a sense of togetherness, and a purpose. And this purpose and sense of belonging actually encourages people to go forward and take up ownerships, try out new things, innovate as they do, learn from the mistakes, right, and uh, grow not just alone, but together as a community, in case of a a company, together as a team, everyone get an opportunity to grow. One, as we grow, people also um, gain the leadership qualities we get an opportunity to develop our personality, to transfer knowledge without fear of any competition and grow together. As we grow together, as we continuously innovate and as we continuously refine the way we work and we deliver on things, eventually we are contributing value addition to our customers. That actually gives rise to customer satisfaction, customer delight, in turn, 
gives more growth for us in terms of revenue, that is going to actually bring about happiness for the stakeholders too. Well, very well said. And I think, you know, it, it's the one thing that we all want out of life. We all want happiness. We want it on a personal level and we want it on a professional level. And, you know, I think it's that's becoming a whole lot more important. Why do organizations need to focus on well-being and happiness to adapt to the future of work? So, partly, why do uh, companies have to adapt well-being? On the happiness perspective, I just touched, up, touched upon it earlier, right? Today, there are plethora of opportunities and plethora of options for people. Now, people are looking forward to um, happiness as one of the core, um, I can say, the core presence in an organization, right? Happiness and positivity. But having said that, well-being, well uh, the, uh, the term well-being that you highlighted actually opens up, um, you know, lots of thoughts in my mind, starting with a person or a, uh, employees in, of an organization for them to actually perform well. See, basically, even before getting into that one, organization is nothing but people. Without people, there is no organization, there is no company. So end of day, well-being of people are very important for an organization. And I would like to also highlight here that, you know, employees are actually spending as much time with uh, at work with their colleagues as much time right similar to how much they are actually spending at home with their family members so then it is only logical and natural for companies to actually go ahead and ensure the well-being of people who are the important most important uh, i'm using the word asset here for organizations one by well-being, there are several different well-beings that we can highlight from uh, physical well-beings, financial, and mental predominantly. And by mental, it, I'm including the social well-being and emotional well-being together under the superset of um, the mental well-being. So physical is from the perspective of health. We can consider that as one of the physical well-beings for employees, for people, and also for their family members. This is another beautiful thing that we have to explore as we look at why well-being is so very important. Well-being is not just limited to the employees who are working in the organization. If people are in a position to work and contribute and uh, directly be the reason for the growth of the company, equally and indirectly, there has been a sacrifice that has been done by someone uh, who are family members of that employee, right? So that is also something which has to be taken into consideration when it comes to extending well-being to the employee and also to the family members of the, because there there is an emotional bonding. So well-being of people surrounding them as part of their community or family is also equally important. So yeah, coming back on the physical well-being, it's about the health of the employees, their surroundings. So how a company can support this. It could be in the form of a comprehensive family insurance coverage that is being offered, um, especially when COVID stuck. Um, to what extent company were in a position to actually support people's well-being, physical well-beings, right? 
considering that you know uh, that was a time when almost all of us in our network might have heard that one of our network of people or their family members might have been impacted so in vuram's case empathy came into picture the company understood the need for supporting people and it came up with something called as unlimited covid leaves that's right it is unlimited because people were getting stuck one after the other either the family members or the employees directly uh, this was rolled out no questions asked if we get stuck go ahead take the leave come back when you're free when we're when you're out of it when are completely recovered an example of physical well being it could also be extending you know uh, uh, finances extending funds to support unforeseen expenses during such challenging times that is exactly where the financial well being also come into picture we always have the salary we always get the salary but over and above that what a company can do thinking from the shoes of people who are facing through or going through these um, challenging times so that's where interest free loans came into picture there are a set of people who availed this interest free loan it was really helpful for them and from the mental well being perspective which is an interesting thing to actually explore see end of day it has been anywhere between 1 and 1/2 to 2 years the last uh, where you know almost entire world has been working from home so pre pre pandemic all of us had the good old days of monday to friday or monday to saturday we come go to office and leave and go home uh, in the evening but all of a sudden the pandemic actually bring brought about a huge transformation in the way we used to work the way we used to actually interact everything changed all of a sudden isn't it so obviously there are several people who have been impacted right who have gone through the stress now how to ensure a stress free environment how to ensure that the company can bring in necessary elements necessary infrastructure and necessary support wherever possible necessary channels to ensure that the social well being and the emotional well being are taken care of by emotional well being we are talking about see just an example pandemic has stuck all the companies are actually shrinking in their so so many companies are shrinking in their operations and uh, yeah of course we are hearing news about the market trends and people are actually getting fired leaving the job that because i am for looking at the internet and i am seeing it continuously you know i am starting to reflect on all these things it is starting this particular news is starting to influence me right so what will i think what if this happens to me will this organization that i work with will it fire me i'm just making an example here but it's quite relevant isn't it so that is actually creating a disturbance and actually and creating an imbalance to my emotions at a high level and hence i'm not able to properly focus on my work i'm unnecessarily having these fears this is an example right in order to, how how can this be addressed if the company is uh, very empathetic enough it would be great if the company comes forward and tells upfront to all the people that you know fear of job loss just throw it out of your brain it is not going to happen all your jobs are secure that's exactly what happened with our organization the ceo came uh, came uh, and immediately made an announcement so the, the pandemic stuck us 
all of us were in uh, lockdown in the month of february march if i'm not wrong within a month's time the ceo came up with the news that you know first and foremost do not worry what is going to happen to the jobs it is secure you understand right there are two things that i would like to address here one the empathy that comes into picture understanding from the shoes putting ourselves into the shoes of people and understanding what exactly is going on in their minds right now what is their expectation what they are looking forward to fulfill what they are afraid of address that first number one not just that uh, there were a series of lots of things that were introduced in not to ensure that people get engaged right not just the employees but also employees family members get engaged because when an employee is facing something same is the case with the family members too even they are not allowed to go out they have to sit at home they have to support and end of day all of us are looking at you know each other's face that's exactly what happened for the last during the lockdown phase so plans were laid down and uh, to ensure that you know even family members get the real sort of engagement they also are able to actually participate in social circles so weekend programs were arranged where people and family members were invited and asked to run and host shows on what they are experts in it could be on best practices it could be as simple as a cookery show get it right the reason was to ensure that people get engaged people do not feel that they are left out people do not get into that you know uh, um, the depression mode that was a core focus so this is what i'm referring to as the mental well-being so all these well-beings only if they are actually taken care of and the company comes forward and extends necessary support through all the means that are possible to extend the person or the people of the company in another in other words employees will remain happy and that happiness is what will be the driving factor because end of day a happy person is always at its best at its best at once best so when someone is at once best they also deliver the best and that's exactly the way for companies to grow well i think you make a good point that a happy person is at their best and they bring out the best in others everybody wants to be around somebody that's happy it it creates a momentum that you know others can build on whereas nobody wants to be around somebody that's unhappy or mad or irritated so you certainly you know can see the importance as we move forward in the future that we've got to build our strengths and ignore our weaknesses and build our maybe not ignore but play down our weaknesses and build up our strengths i think is is really really important and i know that more and more people have struggled with the decision do i go back to work do i want to work from home you know and and what i've seen with the hybrid working environment as did the gallup poll those you know they looked at that from a a disengagement that the people that working from home it's you, i mean it's hard to ha- keep a culture alive if you're working from home it's easy to disassociate because you don't have what we call in the states that water cooler you know chit chat you don't walk down the hall and have the opportunity to shake a new a hand of, of a new employee so i think that that's that is really really important so let's talk a little bit about the hybrid working environment and and i think you know whether it's working for home or not working for home or whether it's working where people and machines work together 
Talk to me about how important it is to focus on the humans in that situation. Absolutely, Lee. This is an interesting phase that we are currently in, which is, uh, as you pointed out, the hybrid workplaces where, you know, we on one end have the flexibility to continue to work from home at the same time, also visit offices. Yeah? It's partly here, partly there. While uh, I would say, you no, know, considering the fact that the last two years was, you know, was quite challenging for people, uh, instead of saying that, so working from home, there are two ways of looking at it, right? Working from home as an option, which has been taken up by people because they prefer to work from home versus making it a mandate and ensuring that people do not come out for so-and-so reason. So people who belong to that second category, it would have been a huge challenge. And for such kind of people, the hybrid workspace, the concept of hybrid work environment is to some extent, slightly a blessing in disguise because now they have opportunity to some extent uh, to socialize, to see people, right? To give physical handshakes, as you pointed out, right? Go for tea or coffee breaks and lunch together, interact, right? Whatever was a disconnect for the last one and a half to two years. Now all of a sudden, um, it's, it, it's, it's a pleasant surprise that we are able to do that all over again. Kind of the good old days are coming back. Number one. Secondly, even though it is slightly better than the completely locked down situation that we used to face, this also needs to, uh, I mean, organizations have to be very conscious and uh, in ensuring that, you know, the work-life balance is taken care of during such times. Because of late, what we're hearing is that the work starts as and when we wake up and it ends as and when we go to bed you know people aren't in a position to create differentiation because they are sitting out of home throughout when exactly should i start my work when exactly should i end and because there are multiple people who are trying to collaborate as part of the teams and cross-culturally and between teams across teams there are several people who will keep on um, working at different sets of timings, which means that no one has clarity on how to go about in a particular time frame, set time frame. So this is something which is hugely impacting the other side of people, which is maintaining the work-life balance. They aren't able to focus on it. If you look at it, work-life balance is something which has been one of the hard uh, spoken topics in the um, recent past, because it has been completely work from home, including the hybrid workspaces. So to some extent, the hybrid workplace may cut down on all these things, but organizations should actively focus on establishing the right communication channels, make effective communication about what kind of changes they can look forward to, right? Because they had been so far working from home and now it's going to be hybrid. When exactly you should be available? Of course, there is flexibility, but the flexibility should also go along with some kind of a streamlined work culture. To not to bring about this streamlining as part of the hybrid workplace, uh, establishing a robust communication channel and frequently connecting with all the people right, and ensuring that the change communication is actually reaching to all the people is very important. This is one side of it. On the other side, 
whether it is completely work from home or you know hybrid workplace both ways people are looking forward to as we discussed about the well-being multiple different well-beings right that, uh, that are very important for organizations to focus on for all the people to make them completely happy from that perspective there is also this constant question that comes um, to people's mind in terms of to what extent are they losing out on the opportunity because they are not coming to office because they are in a uh, secluded workplace see even if people come to office right it is at the max 20% or 25% of the people or the strength of the actual office that they meet because everyone have their own flexible days to come to work and to work from home so how much are they losing how much are they not learning are some of the important questions that come into picture so organizations if they can come forward and proactively establish learning methodologies and uh, systems in place for people to actually learn upskill themselves in such kind of times will be a huge plus will bring about confidence it will in increase the morale of people in such times when the morale of the people increases and the confidence of people increase they can do wonders when it comes to managing their work better once again um, all the old factors that we discussed about right taking ownership um volunteering for things and trying to do multiple different things to solve a particular problem doing wonders for our customers all these things will come back if we the organizations can ensure that there is a system in place for people to upskill themselves not just any upskilling upskilling based on people's preferences again when we say organization has to do the communication properly there should be an established communication practice and on this one too on um providing the right opportunity for them to upskilling in all these thought processes organization should ensure that people are at the center of everything in other words empathy should come into picture here in arriving at the necessary things prioritizing people prioritizing their needs and ensuring that their needs are catered to at the same time all the people cutting across all the teams are also aligned to the overall vision of the company both of them are equally important so by doing so um the hybrid workplace as a company um, can actually look at successes gradually lastly as i just touched upon compassion and empathy i think these are the two major pillars companies should stick to while thinking through the entire process in whatever actions or in whatever um, it could be schemes or new initiatives that they are actually introducing or as we discussed upskilling as an initiative in all these places in all these initiatives companies should have compassion and empathy to ensure that the overall well-being of the people of the company are taken care of and the company is always acting to support all these multiple different well-beings for our people to ensure that people are happy and they are at their best and they are their best version of themselves well i think that you know all of that makes total sense to me and and it kind of goes back to and you mentioned these in the beginning of our talk and you said that there's 12 principles that woodham is that adheres to 100% and woodham is 52 out of 100 
of the best companies to work for in India. So I think it would, you know, if, if go through those 12 principles uh, would really be a great way of reemphasizing all the points that we've we've talked on or hit on today. Absolutely, absolutely. So, by the way, these 12 uh, principles are the guiding principles. I'll uh, take a quick minute's time to also highlight the guiding principle that we have. So, Vuram is a Tamil word, right? That actually translates, literally translates into um, nourishment or fertilizer. How a fertilizer nourishes the seeds. The seed becomes a plant. Plant becomes a tree, and tree bears fruits. And you know it offers shade, and it actually helps the society. In a similar way, the company acts as a wurum. That means a fertilizer or a nourishment for its own people. The people act as a wurum for the customers. And together, right, people and customers and company will act as a wurum for the society. This was the core principle based on which the company was founded 12 years back. Now. Coming to the, to, to the 12 principles. So maybe I'll read them through. As I said, they are very, very simple principles, but very powerful in nature. Um, I'll read them through it. Enjoy the work you do. Enjoy the challenges. Respect people, work, and time. Always do the right thing. Don't fear or hide mistakes. Learn from it, never repeat it. We don't blame, we take responsibility, we find solutions. Discipline starts with self. Be productive, use the 24 hours wisely. The only way you grow is when you help others to grow. Speak up, never assume. Be inquisitive, never stop asking why. Understand and do. The last one is be better than the past minute. Those are great principles. And what I like about them is their simplicity. There's, you know, they're very simple. They're to, they're, they're memorable. I, they're so to the point that they are memorable. I mean, and I can remember you said always do the right thing. That's been a personal value for, for me. And discipline starts with self and understand and do those those are the ones that i can remember that you know just stuck in my head and i'm sure they all different things stick with different people you know i really appreciate you sharing your insight today and if people want to learn more about what i'm how can they are you guys on facebook are you on linkedin how can they access absolutely so um First of all, www.wurum.com is our website, and we are there actually on LinkedIn. In LinkedIn, it's the same V-U-R-A-M. If you search for that, uh, we are there on LinkedIn, and the same as the company name you can use for uh, Facebook. We are on uh, Twitter, too, with the name Wurum Tech, V-U-R-A-M-T-E-C-H, and our people-centric videos are available in our own YouTube channel. Again, goes by the name Wurum. And that's V-U-R-A-M. Thank you so much, Bala. You've been such a, a pleasure to have on the show. And it's been inspiring to me as we move forward and what's in what's in store for the future for all the people. Again, I appreciate your time, your effort, and your energy today. Thank you so much, Lee. 
Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. 